Hey, it's Jeremy. And before we get into this episode, you just know we got to shout out our friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis is where you can find them. It's in the Marcy Holmes neighborhood, which is sort of in between Dinkytown and Northeast. So that's pretty centrally located as far as the metro goes. I come from the southeast suburbs in Cottage Grove myself, and it's still an easy like 20 minute drive. It's not that bad at all, no matter where you're coming from in or around the metro. It's an easy place to access. They have plenty of parking, but What's big about Ninth Street is what goes on inside the doors. Soccer, pickup soccer happens pretty much every night of the week. They have regular pickup, 40-plus pickup, women's only pickup. So if you want to get your game on, you want to get your pickup soccer on, there is a night and a pickup session for you. It's very affordable as well. So if you want to check that out, NinthStreetMPLS.com is where you can do that. Or if you're not into playing soccer, but you just want to be in kind of that soccer environment with other people who love soccer as well in and around the Twin Cities, you can check out their coffee shop and bar area. This is a cool space with plenty of great coffee options, tea options. I went there the other day. I had already had a full pot of coffee in the morning. So coffee was the last thing I wanted. It was in the afternoon. I still had some work to do. So uh, I unfortunately couldn't have any of the great beer options they have at Ninth Street. But I got this like hydrating tea that really hit the spot. So whether it's coffee you're looking for, tea you're looking for, beer you're looking for, or anything in between, Ninth Street has those refreshments for you there. And you can watch soccer you know, now is the time of year where soccer's on pretty much every hour of the day, especially with Europa League and Champions League and, and all of that. So if you want to go watch soccer with other soccer fans, maybe get some work done during the day, finding a spot to do that in a communal environment, Ninth Street's the place for you as well. Again, 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ninth Street MPLS. That's N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S. Or check them out online, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Huge thanks to Derek and the team at Ninth Street for supporting this podcast and sponsoring this episode. Let's go. What is up and welcome in. It is, uh, well, I guess not postseason for all the teams. From a Minnesota United perspective, it is the first postseason edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing, and alongside me, as always, this time for episode 113, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? I'm doing very well, Jeremy. I want to do a, a quick shout-out. I didn't ask him if I could say his name, so I'm not going to. But uh, uh, this week, while I was covering some some stuff for the paper, uh, a, a gentleman uh, at a Maple Grove sporting event uh, uh, kind of sh- shouted me out and, and let me know that he was a listener that had just realized that I was the guy that he was listening to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> when kept you seeing like... me at things, kept seeing me yep. at things. And thinking, oh. um, so just, just shout out to him. It's always fun to kind of bump into um, listeners. And I guess I was going to say, strangely enough, but it's really not strangely enough considering what this podcast is, but I always run into them on like sporting assignments. Um, there was a Minneapolis city game. There was, you know, th- this event. So uh, anyways, it's always great to kind of bump into people because sometimes, you know, the, 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 as much, as great as it is, the, the numbers that we get, um, the, their numbers on, yeah. on social media. And, and so sometimes it's hard to uh, translate that in your head into what that means. So when you bump into a guy, who's one of those numbers, it's, it's always fun. So anyways, just shout, shout out to you. Hopefully you remember that that happened and you know who, that, you're, that you're you. So anyways, uh, yeah. Shout, shout out you, you, you yeah. listening. Shout out. Uh, yeah, no matter who you are, though, uh, if you're listening, thank you so, so very much. We appreciate it. If you have subscribed to the podcast feed, thank you. If you have not, please do so. Let's know when we drop a new episode. And also leave, your, leave a rating. Wow, words. Leave a rating and review. Easy for me to say. Uh, over there on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. That is huge for us and our placements and kind of you know how we get pushed out in different ways and featured in different ways on those platforms. So make sure you're doing that too. And of course, follow us on Twitter. That's the best way to get a hold of us, best way to interact with us. That is at Soda S-O-C. Dom, we have a lot to get to on this episode, but of course we have to start by bragging about our MLS Cup playoff, playoff brackets because as we... Uh, discussed on 10k stoppage time last week we sort of went through the bracketology of the mls cup playoffs 
And as of recording on 9.13 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, or I don't know, Central Daylight Time, Central Standard Time, I don't know which one, where, which one we're in right now. Either way, Central Time. Uh, I am uh, I'm perfect in my bracket. Which means LA Galaxy are probably going to beat LAFC in the uh, in the uh, impending El Trafico and ruin my perfect bracket. But so far through all of round one and one match in round two, uh, perfect bracket. And Dom, yours isn't doing so bad either. No, I'm close behind. I think I got two wrongs. Uh, I got uh, uh, Austin RSL wrong, which admittedly. <laughs> That, that kind play. of could have gone either way, but you know, got that one run in the end. And then I, I got Inter Miami NYFC run, but to be perfectly clear, that was a meme pick. So it was. It was I kind of knew pick. it was wrong when I did it, but I went with it because you gotta do it for the content. Yeah. And uh I, I I've taken I've taken the strike for it. But but uh no, yeah. Uh I, I'm I, I'm pleased with my own uh performance so far, and it's really cool that so far that that yours is turning out. I, I guess that it's like a really small little way to kind of uh, remind ourselves that we maybe know what we're talking about a little bit. <laughs> maybe, just maybe. Um, so. I, I do like the inner Miami pick though. Cause I don't know how I didn't realize this or, or mention this last week when we were actually making these picks, the thought of Miami traveling from South beach to Montreal in late October <laughs> to play a playoff match is, is very, very fun yeah. to me. So uh, anyways, um, yeah, so playoff brackets going well, and obviously you'll know uh, after you know by the time you're listening to this if you pay attention to the Major League Soccer um, whether or not uh, we are still perfect uh, with LA Galaxy and LAFC. Um, I have LAFC in this one. Um, I'm putting my uh, my belief in the black and gold uh, in this playoff run. Uh, will they um, will they make me smart? I don't know. And then Dom, you have Galaxy, right? And I'll travel. Yep. So yes. One I'm of us is right. Tradition. Yeah. <laughs> embracing tradition of LAFC just falling apart in the playoffs, <laughs> specifically against the Galaxy as well. Cannot yeah. forget 2019. Uh they got five hung on them after uh their, you know, the most uh amazing regular season in the history of the league. So um yeah, that should I mean that should be fun as we're getting ready to kind of have this on in the background while we're talking here, but obviously you know the result if you're listening to this. So uh it probably was fun or maybe it wasn't, who knows. Uh, but anyways, um if you haven't checked out our website, our website's very fun, sotasoccer.com, s o t a soccer.com. A lot of fun content, a lot of MNUFC postmortem going on right there. So if you really want to delve into the uh the I don't know, I don't want to call it misery, but just sort of the the fact that the season is over and uh, read more about the uh, PK loss to FC Dallas in the first round of the playoffs. You can do that over at sodasoccer.com right now. Uh, we'll have some off-season pieces incoming. Um, and, 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 even though only one Minnesota United player will actually be competing in the upcoming World Cup, um, not short of storylines uh, that that impact us locally, right? There'll be a ton of watch parties at a ton of different places. This is a very diverse community, I'm sure, with a lot of different uh, fans and 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 just people from a lot of the different countries that are going to be represented at the World Cup as well. So that community aspect of what the World Cup does to sort of bring people in the in the community together and the Twin Cities and the Minnesota soccer community together, uh, we will do our best to cover that as much as we can over at sodasoccer.com. Obviously, we'll talk about Dane a little bit. One thing I want to have, I don't want to I want to speak this into existence, Dom. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know which of our guys are going to write it. Um, maybe it'll be me. Maybe I'll have to do it myself. I want to get Will Trap and or Ethan Finley, two guys with US Men's National Team caps. I want to get their thoughts on uh, on this US Men's National Team and how far they think this team can go and what they think about this this roster and and how things are being built and and what they can do in 2022. I think that would be a really cool piece to have on the website. So I'm going to speak it into existence. So Jacob, John, Dominic, Carter, myself, any one of us, uh, let, let's 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 try to make that happen. I think that'd be a really good piece of content. But anyways, let's talk about what has happened and the content that is up on the website. Um, being the five to four penalty shootout loss to FC Dallas that ended Minnesota United's 2022 season. They were the six seed going to the three seed FC Dallas. And um, 
I thought before we actually get to the specifics and get to the goals, I thought in the midfield, Minnesota United played well. I thought from the back, I thought in the defensive third, I thought they had played one of their best games with that roster available post Abasi injury. And I thought specifically Robin Lud and Will Trapp played really, really well in the defensive midfield. Um, I thought their connectivity from the back to the attack was was as good as I think we've seen that pairing do it. And I thought, I mean, obviously Dane stood on his head, but I thought the back line actually actually played as well as they could, considering their personnel versus FC Dallas's front line. Um, you look at the stat sheet, 19 shots, nine on target for FC Dallas. It usually doesn't indicate a good defensive performance, but I think when you look at the eye test, I thought I thought they played pretty well. And obviously Dane St. Clair just another masterclass between the uh between the posts. Um, what lacked though, obviously, and this seems to be especially when you look at the playoffs for Minnesota United, um, maybe leaving out that 2020 Western Conference final, what usually does them in, both kind of over the course of the season, but specifically in those playoff losses, is they're kind of outclassed when you look at final third versus final third. Um, you know, last year it was Portland um, showing off their their offensive prowess and Minnesota United not really having much of a response. This time, you know, you look at you look at the stat difference, 19 shots, nine on goal for Dallas, seven shots, three on target for Minnesota. Um, and again, it's, it's kind of the final third where this team sort of lacks that oomph and lacks the – the ability to reward what the rest of the pitch is providing. Um, and I mean, it's, it's disappointing. It's, it's a common theme. It's disappointing, but I think all in all, Adrian Heath was right in the, in his post-game press conference when he said he, he can't really fault the performance and the effort of the players. Um, and I think when you look at, at, at effort, I want to shout out one person because he was, this guy was pretty eviscerated on social media before he actually got himself on the stat sheet. And that was uh Bongi Longwani uh, making his first start back on the right wing after missing four or five weeks. Yeah. He looked rusty as hell, but in the first half, he was the only one really in the final third to me that played with any energy, any, um, any true forward momentum, any urgency, any, any intensity in the final third. Was he getting turned over? Could he keep the ball? Yes. What could he keep the ball at his feet to save his life? No. But you, you saw the effort there, and I don't know if that effort was really reciprocated uh, between you know when you look at Emmanuel Reynoso, Luis San Maria, Franco Fragapani. Uh, it was a lot of slow motion from them compared to Bangi. But then you look at that reward or, or look at that effort being rewarded with the opening goal, and that's where we'll start here. Fifty third minute, um, Bangi after being dispossessed time after time again. He almost gets dispossessed. Actually trips and falls with the ball at his feet, but somehow maintains possession and just squirts it out to a wide open Reynoso because Dallas is going all in on trying to dispossess Bongi. So Reynoso finds himself uh, with a free run on goal and uh, obviously finishes beautifully, beautifully as Ray does. And that gives Minnesota United the lead, but just 11 minutes later, off a corner, this is the one, I think, miscue that the defense had. And of course, it cost them the goal. Uh, off the set piece somehow the ball is able to get flicked on from the near post to a wide open Facundo Quignon on the back post and he just gets I mean he's wide open on the back post of course he's going to put that in the back of the net um and that equal and that is the equalizer um how did you feel about regulation Dominic when we will look we'll talk about extra time and we'll talk about PKs in a second but when you look at regulation, how, how did you feel about the team's performance overall? Yeah, I, I think you you hit a lot of things. Uh, what's the phrase? Nail on the head. I think I think I think you got a lot of things right there. I think that uh, you know, defensively, overall, like you said, this is probably one of the better games, if not the best game that we've seen from this group. Um, you know, meaning you know Pullman in there, uh, you know that that setup. Um, and, and so, you know, they, they were able to, to control things a, a fair bit of the time, obviously St. Clair behind them to, to be the insurance on that. But, um, you know, I, I was 
mostly happy with with what I saw from them. Uh, unfortunately, the the goal does come from the issue that uh, I, I recall we even touched on in our our little pregame uh, Twitter Spaces thing, which is just that this version of this back line, and, and it probably was happening with other players as well, but it seemed to become more of a thing with this back line, just kind of seemed to go asleep in moments. Uh, just not really being aware of certain pieces on the field. And uh, you have that happen again on a set piece, which is a particularly bad time to make that mistake because in that moment, that's all the team should be thinking about. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, they, they pay the price for it. That being said, again, I thought more often than not, they did relatively well. Uh, on the front half of the, of the field, it's interesting because – you looked at the stats, and you would think that Minnesota United played the way that I, I that again we kind of talked about in that pregame show of like, well, maybe they need to be more defensive, maybe they need to bunker down a little bit. The stats make it look like they tried to do that. <laughs> yeah, they didn't try to do it. They didn't try to do that. Uh, they they were trying to more or less play the way they usually play. Uh, they just struggled to to really make anything of it, particularly in the attacking half or the attacking third. Uh, and, and, and so you end up with a, with a, a, a sort of poor performance that, that feels a little harsh considering, you know, Reynoso gets a goal. It's a very good goal. Uh, you have, you know, Bondi, I know did not have an amazing game as, as many people felt that being said, he's the guy that gets that assist. I know it's kind of, it's one of those assists where it's like, well, you pass the guy that scores, but he still sets up the shot. Uh, yeah. someone has to do that. I mean, if he, uh, if he loses the ball, that it's a turnover yeah. and that opportunity right. doesn't even happen. And it's not like anyone else did it that night. So, mm-hmm. you know. Correct. Um, you know, I, I thought there were players that had good moments, like those two. But uh, it just, you didn't see that the, the flow or the sort of ability to work your way out of situations that you would hope to see. Um, for what it's worth, I think that the risk of starting Bondi paid off in the sense that you got something out of that. And uh, mm-hmm. he had moments, and obviously you get a goal out of it in a way. Uh, I don't think that was like a bad call or anything like that. But yeah, it just it, it, you know maybe ended up being a little too flat. You know, I, I uh, before the game had, had mentioned how I was hoping that this would kind of be a night where Luis Amaria kind of stood out, woke up a little bit, and, and sort of made some some space for himself in a season where he's kind of trying to show his worth. Uh, to this team upon his return. I didn't really feel like that happened, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, again, it, you know, there were there were some bright performances. There were players that that played well. I think overall the team played relatively well. Uh, I, I, I'd say I, I agree with, you know, Adrian Heath's point that it's hard to blame the group. Uh, the first time I've agreed with an Adrian Heath post-game quote in a couple weeks. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, that's, Correct. I, I don't think anyone in the group let down the group. Um, and that's good. That, that was good to see. I, I, to be perfectly frank, to kind of re- reset all I'm saying here, I was worried this game was going to be worse. I was worried that this game mm. was going to be really tough. And it did not play out that way. The ending was tough in, in its own way. But the game itself, the team played well. They looked respectable. They looked like a team that deserved to be in the playoffs. Uh they led for a little while, you know, they, they had a clean sheet for a, a good while. Uh, so in, in that sense, I'm, I'm glad that that's what we got to see, but it was a little disappointing to again, see some areas just fall flat on some key moments that kind of have been forecasted through this last leg of the season. There's an interesting quote from Heath after the match regarding Luis Amaria. And it basically indicates that, Amaria was the game plan for Amaria was not necessarily for him to play a goal scoring forward striker role. He uh, on, on subbing Luis Amaria and Vongi Longwani at the same time, he said, quote, we wanted to get a fresh pair of legs on for for Luis. He put an awful lot into the game because his job, because the job we asked either the forwards or Reynosa tonight to take away their deep line midfield. And they did it really well. So that indicates to me he was sort of an, I don't want to call it a decoy, but his job wasn't necessarily to put ball in back of net. It sure. was to take away sort of, I guess, that that connectivity that the defensive midfield would have with the attack, which I feel like Minnesota did really well on their end. 
And according to Heath, he, he feels like uh, the forwards did their job in sort of trying to shut down that connectivity for Dallas. So what? So maybe if, that's if that's did, why. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Dominic. I, I the only thing, the only thing I would question about that, if that was the game plan, then that was the game plan. I believe that, but. If his point is that Luis Amaria did a good job of that, of baiting away and 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 uh, getting rid of pressure from defensive midfield, is he then saying that the rest of the forwards weren't able to score more goals while Luis Amaria did a great job? I mean, mm-hmm. you're kind of either you kind of you kind of have to put the blame one way or the other on on that one. I feel like that just in a sense of of his explanation for why Luis did a good job. That means then that the rest of the attack didn't score goals while Luis Amarillo was apparently baiting away the you know the defense. So uh, that that kind of reasoning sometimes can get a little minefielded to me. But anyways, if that was his role, that was his role, and that would you know that would explain maybe the lack of goal opportunities for him, which I can understand. I also the other the other part of that that I guess I don't quite understand, and maybe it's because I'm I'm very much not a you know I don't necessarily understand the tactics of soccer to the same level as one Adrian Heath. Uh, but I feel like if, if their job is to shut down the deep line midfield and stop that connectivity, how did Dallas get 19 shots? If they did a good job of that, how did Dallas get 19 shots? Nine on right. It, it, right. It, it, the, the ends don't necessarily that match up with. sounds pretty connected. <laughs> it sounds, yeah, it sounds pretty connected. It sounds pretty connected if yeah. you ask me. But um we really only have to go with what, what adrian said and uh, again i don't necessarily understand soccer tactics enough to be able to evaluate that specific aspect of it but when you look at the stats it doesn't necessarily match up is all i'm saying um so uh let's go to extra time where there weren't too many opportunities especially for minnesota there weren't there weren't too many opportunities dallas had a few that they weren't able to put away um, and then, so you go to PKs. I think both teams played a little tentative in extra time. Um, obviously, you're tired. You don't want to be the one to give up that winner in extra time. And I think with Minnesota, you're really playing for PKs here. You want, especially with the kind of the the way that the match had gone from, you know, who is getting the better chances. Uh, Dallas, we're definitely getting the better chances. And so Minnesota, I think, was more or less playing for PKs where they can make it a coin flip. And they did. And there was only one miss in PKs. Unfortunately, it came by way of Will Trapp, uh, who he took a very short run up. He was asked about it after the match. He said he didn't he didn't say anything about I didn't strike a well. I didn't put it where I want it. Um, he just said I, I struck it and the keeper, you know, guessed right and made a good save, basically. Personally, I thought Trap could have taken this better. He's a defensive midfielder. I don't necessarily, you know, expect him to clang it off the inside of the post, perfectly point blank, uh, or or perfectly, you know, bullseye it uh, into the corner, um, you know, the way I would expect Reynoso or Ana Maria or, or somebody else to do the same, right? So, um, you know, yes, he's the one who missed. Can you really fault him for the miss? Being it was the only miss in the in the entire PK shootout. I'm not quite sure he deserves really much uh, much criticism there. But that does open the door for one Alan Velasco. Now, I do not remember who the first PK taker was. Um, I have it on my post-loons notes, but I don't have my post-loons notes in front of me. Mm. First PK taker, Panen- tried. Well, I mean, he I guess he successfully panankered Dane St. Clair. But Dane was able to get a foot on it and almost saved it. Um, so you... You think okay, that's going to be Panega. We see in this. Nope. Alan Velasco with the game on the line and a chance to move on pulls the Panenka uh, for a second time for Dallas, and uh, it, it goes in the back of the net. It actually starts curling Dane's direction. Dane had obviously already yeah. dove. Uh, it starts curling his direction, so you think he might be able to get something on it, but he he, he couldn't quite do it. And that is how uh, it ends. Ice cold from Alan Velasco to uh, put Minnesota's season to bed there. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on on the, the Panenka and just the shootout as a whole? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with with uh, with Trap just to, to kind of add to what you're saying. You know, I haven't been a huge fan of, of the season Will Trap has had for this team, but if there's one sort of random part of his season that I don't think particularly requires any 
extra criticism, I, I, I think it's the penalty shoot. I, I thought it was a totally fine penalty. It wasn't, I, I think sometimes people, you know, I'm not saying this to you. I'm just saying more, more to people that were like actively angry about the penalty or things like that. Um, you know, people these days, you play a lot of FIFA, you see a lot of highlight videos on YouTube. I think people sometimes misremember what most penalties look like, which is yeah. Will Trapp's penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it is. You're hoping the goalkeeper guesses yeah. wrong. And you just put it on the side that he's. You hope he's not diving to. Yeah. So, I thought it was fine. Uh, you know, the fact that the reader, the excuse me, the fact that the keeper got to it pretty comfortably to me probably means that there was something there the keeper could read easily, yeah. or that he prepped very well, and that trap did his usual. Either way, that's unfortunate. That maybe means there was a little more work he could have done there, but uh, it wasn't a horrible penalty or anything like that. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes those uh, those just go in or they don't go in. Uh, you know, I, I would argue that he took the more assured choice than the two Dallas players that did Panenka's. So, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, penalty shootouts are by their nature, uh, you know, this is why they say them only to solve games that can't be draws. is because they are a, a, a brutalistic way of solving this sport. That is it, that has a beauty to it, but it is merciless and quick, and there's no ifs or buts. It's very black and white, obviously. And um, I say that as someone who's like been on the sideline with the team, winning or losing on penalty shots. It's a very, it's a burst emotional experience, and you get unlucky, you get lucky. Um, unfortunately, Minnesota United were on the wrong side of that. Dane, I thought did. You know, what he could, unfortunately, with both those Penencas, he kind of got into a situation where he just kind of read the moment wrong a little bit and uh, and just wasn't quite where he needed to be, but got very close. I mean, that second one actually kind of floats over him. But, you know, there's just very little way for him to read that that's about to happen. Um, unlucky with that foot block not to actually deflect the ball. And, and so, yeah, again, I, I thought he more or less did what he could, but of course in a PK shootout, a goalkeeper on the losing side is always kind of going to be the first guy you look at. So uh, unfortunately yeah. he's probably going to get some negative attention from that, but I, I thought he did more or less what he could in, in, in that situation. And so, yeah, it's a, it's an unfortunate way to end the season. It's an unfortunate way to end a, a pretty good game overall, an entertaining game. Uh, but that that's the nature of playoff soccer. It's why uh, we love it and why we hate it at the same time. And uh, and that's that's all she wrote for for Minnesota United. If you want to know just how much of a crapshoot these PK shootouts are, um, after the Austin RSL shootout, Brad Stuver was interviewed, and he was asked like, "Hey, did you have any like tape on any of these guys?" Because he, I mean, Stuver performed immaculately in the in the shootout. I believe he had maybe three stops. I'm not. I'm, I believe so. Yeah. Um. And so like, hey, did you have tape on these guys? Like, were you scouting them? Were they giving any tells? He's like. Stuver's like, yeah, we had tape on some of their guys. None of them stepped up in the shootout. Uh, <laughs> so, it's like, That's it's just, sick. it's always just, hey, you you try to look for tells from the guy, and if he's not giving you one, you 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 dive one way and hope you're diving the right way. That's really kind of what what it comes down to, and that's you know not just me talking. I hear that from a lot of different players. That yes, there is an aspect to it, and yes, you want to do research and see if there are any patterns or anything. But more or less, that's not the case, and you're more just trying to go off feel and body language and and other things yeah. like that, which can again make it a make it a complete crapshoot that that we that we see as as spectators on TV, right? So, um. Just a couple more notes to wrap this up. So eight saves for Dane St. Clair on the night. Obviously stepped up huge. Um, to to kind of go off the the lack of offense and lack of uh, goal scoring chances, 0.28 xG for the Loons in this one. Um, and Keith, like 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 we mentioned, Heath after the match was very complimentary of the team's performance, but he also said, you know, it's it's the nature of the league that there will be some changes in the off season. And kind of we'll go more in depth on those possibilities on 10K stoppage time. So make sure you're checking us out on Patreon uh, for that one. But looking back for a second, taking a step back and kind of going through the, the wide view of this season, Dom. How do you how do you evaluate it? Because the, there's there's two ways to go, right? So 
you had three pretty significant injuries at three pretty crucial spots. You had obviously Hassani Dotson going down very, very early in the season. Uh, he's arguably, he's, he's one of your top, maybe four most important players on this team. Uh, Roman Metnair goes to, you know, really only played what one, two matches uh, yeah. this season. And then obviously you have Bakaita Basi go down in, in early September. Um, three pretty significant injuries, three pretty big contributors to this team. So you look at that and you say, okay, this team made the playoffs as a six seed. They took Dallas to the wire. People think Dallas are an MLS cup contender. You know, when you look at that, you're like, okay, maybe not so bad, but then you add in the context of just how well this team was performing, um, in July and August and where they stood heading into the final month of the regular season. Uh, third in the West with second, not too far away. Um, and then they end up obviously falling almost out of the playoffs completely. They went on decision day to get sixth and then they have to go on the road to Dallas, which was the, the, you know, ta- it, it's interesting Not every MLS market is like Minnesota where you're guaranteed a sellout almost every time out. And it's yeah. a, a given come the playoffs. Um, 18,000 in Frisco for a playoff game for Dallas is like a huge thing. Like they barely get eight, 9,000 through the door for regular season matches. The last time they played an MLS uh, cup playoff match in 2019, there were barely 10,000 people there, um, which is half of that stadium's capacity. So, you know, it's a raucous crowd against obviously a really good team on the road. Um, but you kind of put yourself in that position with the way you stumbled down the stretch. If, if just one, two more results, if they're just able to get one or two more results, you could be flipping that script. You could be hosting Dallas and Allianz field, right? That may have been the difference in this match. So it's very, very, it's, it's interesting the way you can evaluate this so many different ways. So Dom, I guess I'm going to put you on the spot here. How do you evaluate this 2022 season for Minnesota? Yeah, you know, I, I agree that there's complexities to it, as there would be, I mean, with any season, um, with any team, there's always going to be turns and asterisks and that sort of thing to consider. Um, that being said, I, I still would uh, consider the way this season played out as uh, a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll explain that with, with this. Uh, with the, on the injury front, uh, you, you mentioned Mentonero, you mentioned Dotson, you mentioned Debasi. Those are all important players that on various points of the season became unavailable. However, I would say that, uh, with Mentonero, that had already, I mean, that had been going on for a while. Yep. Uh, I don't really think the team should have been fully planning on him being the solution to something considering the condition he was in coming into the season. And DJ um, Taylor played damn well. Right. Win, right. So with I don't know how much of a drop off that really was. Right. With Debassi, clearly that had an effect. That yeah. being said, uh, and, it ha- and it happened later in the season and kind of affected that, that last sort of playoff push late in the season. Um, that being said, losing a center back doesn't explain the lack of attacking output we saw from this team in that same time. Correct. Correct. Uh, so. Yes, I'm sure it made it more difficult to get those results. But what does that have to do with Luis Amaria's goal record or Fragapane's goal record that Debassi, that Coleman's starting? That, that, that to me is, I understand, I'm sure that the way that, you know, I'm sure that there's some uh, a butterfly effect by having different personnel, but you can't really tell me that that somehow explains away the entire problem. So uh, those, 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 that's sort of my notes on that. And then I turn to just the fact for all the players that are missing with injury, a couple key players, you have to go back and think about the last offseason, the amount of signings this team made, the midseason re-signing of Adrian Heath, the, the talk about consistency and growth, um, the list of attackers that we had coming into this year that, that seemed almost too big and, and ended up being not big enough. Um, all these things, there was everything was angled this season for this to be a different year and it ended up being the same year. <laughs> so yeah, basically. 
That that to me is a disappointment. It's not a huge, huge, huge disappointment. If the team hadn't made the playoffs, it would have been a huge, you know, a disaster in my opinion. That didn't happen. Made the playoffs. That is, a, you know, as far as we understand, kind of the bar for what counts as a consistent positive season for this team. Uh, but the nature of how it played out, the way it uh, contrasted to the momentum this team felt like it had coming into the season, the signings, etc. It just doesn't match for me. And so again, um, I, I can't help but feel like this is a this is a disappointing season. Yeah, I, I think there, there's a lot of disappointment to go along with it. Um, like you, you mentioned the the roster sort of revamp from an attacking perspective in the offseason, the amount of strikers this team brought in, bringing back Luis Samaria. Um, you you expect I mean you expect more goals straight up, and you're right. None of these injuries really, when you look at the position of the injuries and the the area of the field that they affect really should have had much of an impact on this team's goal scoring output. Right. Right. With that being said, I think this team really missed Hassani Dotson this season. I think that is a piece you inject Dotson into this defensive midfield into, you know, I think he just brings so much, you talk about connectivity and you talk about defensive players that can assist in the attack and, and, and really, you know, provide us an extra piece that can make things happen in the final third from that defensive spot and still play that defensive role. Well, that, that, that's Hassani Dotson. And Robin Lud kind of became that person. He moved back to the central midfield, but obviously he still has that attacking capability. Um, but he really wasn't involved in the attack much once he moved back. Um, I think I think Dotson Dotson would have been a game changer for this team had he been there. But I will also concede to your point, Dom, that you know even his absence really shouldn't have, with the amount of attacking talent this team brought in, really impact the lack of lack of goal scoring that we saw both at the start of the season and at the end. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think when you're looking at the pendulum of was this a good season, was this a disappointing season? It's definitely on the disappointing side. Um, how disappointing? I mean, you look at this team finish worse record-wise than last year. Um, team finish worse playoff positioning-wise than last year. Um, and you you look at just the roster from this year to last year, and you say this team has a has a marginally better roster uh, in twenty twenty two than in twenty twenty one. And to to finish the way they did the regular season. And then obviously the way they bowed out in the playoffs in the first round, once again, although it is great to make the playoffs, I do think that you should be expecting more from this team. This team has shown you in these stretches that they can accomplish more. They are capable of more, but when push comes to shove first round playoff exit, three of the last four years, um, I don't know if first round playoff exit is a, is a, is a ceiling that you want to have as a team. Right. They got to find a way to reach that next level, to reach that upper, reach that, reach that next echelon. And so what's, what's going to make that happen? They have two DPs, they had two DP strikers this year. I've ended up with two DP strikers. Actually, they started the season with two DP strikers and they ended the season with two DP strikers. So it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a situation where you look at what this team could do to improve. And obviously goal scoring is really also, but they have other places where they need to improve as well. Uh, we'll get into kind of the contract situations and, and possibilities on stoppage time. But I think that to me is, where this gets goes from disappointing to concerning is like there's really to me there doesn't seem to be a clear path to success personnel wise for this team right i feel like they could bring in freaking cristiano ronaldo to play striker and they still wouldn't get 15 goals out of him right right it seems like that kind of thing so how do you how do you find success how do you take that next step and find that consistency. Find, take what happened in July and August and 
try to find a way to maintain that consistency for longer stretches for an entire season for seasons on end, the way the Seattle's and the Portland's, the Kansas cities have done traditionally. How do you stay in that conversation of not only, yeah, they'll make the playoffs, but no, they're a real contender. That needs to be sort of that next step. Um, And uh, again, there's really no clear path. We can, we can argue all day long about what the team could do to potentially do that. But it's yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to copy you Dom and say it all in all disappointing season. Yeah. And you know, a real twist. Uh, uh, You, you mentioned the, the, the DP striker thing, you know, I I think it was after this game. um, There was a a, a quote floating around. uh, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, essentially uh, it was Adrian Heath talking about, or maybe it was before the game, but anyways, uh, talking about how, you know, obviously the season hadn't, the regular season hadn't ended on a great note, but you got take the season as a whole you can't cut it up into too many pieces and overanalyze one chapter without thinking about the whole thing and he's right which is why i hope nobody forgets about the absolute mess that was the adrian a new situation at the start of the season when we yeah. talked about this roster like I, that it feels like a life it it feels so long ago that I kind of forgot it happened until you said the two DPs tried your thing to be perfectly honest. I haven't thought about Adrian Unu in quite a while until yeah. I actually those words actually came out of my mouth. That's the first time I thought about Adrian Unu. Right. But when we were talking about roster, the the the, the health of the roster, how the roster's gonna maintain the season, how that all played out, how the attack played out in terms of roster building, like let's not ignore key moments like that. You had a DP striker on this team for a portion of the season. That essentially couldn't get a minute for a while. Uh, and, and that is a wild situation for a team to put themselves in. And stuff like that that you do have to look at and think about and talk about when you talk about what does this team have to do moving into next year in terms of housekeeping, mm-hmm. in terms of keeping things working and keeping things going. So I just want to, I, I just kind of want to throw that, you know, let, let's really remember all the different bumps along the road that happened this year, including things like that early in the year with the roster. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Again, more coverage in depth and kind of the the roster how it stands now how it could stand at the beginning of 2023 that's all coming up on 10k stoppage time but now moving on talking about the gophers college soccer um really really solid stretch for the u right now they were really at a crossroads about two weeks ago in terms of things they hadn't had a few results go their way they were sitting close to the bottom of the conference um, they had obviously aspirations to make the Big Ten tournament. Well, they have made those aspirations a reality via a really good run of form. Um, they're unbeaten in their last four, three wins in their last four, and that continued with a 2-2 draw against Rutgers on the 13th, a really good comeback draw against a really good team, um, You know, a, a top 10 team in the nation. You go on the road and you get a result and you battle back to get a result. That's really good. Um, you follow that up with a 2-1 road win against Maryland, and then you blank Purdue here tonight as we're recording 2-0 at Elizabeth Lau Robbie Stadium. Um, or no, I believe that match is on the road. Um, but either way, Sophia Romine and Gabby Cicerone get goals against Maryland, um, and then Romine with a brace against Purdue. 
and they secure that spot in the 2022 Big Ten Women's Soccer Tournament. And if you haven't listened to our episodes in the past and you haven't really been following along, the Big Ten Women's Soccer Tournament is not just going to be at a campus. It's not just going to be at the number one ranked team. It's going to be at Lower.com Field where the Columbus Crew play, which is really cool in and of itself. But now the Gophers have punched their ticket and they're going to be playing postseason soccer. Um, just really good sort of overcoming adversity for Aaron Chastain's side. And I think you're seeing a lot of that, that senior leadership, that the, that those upper class, those upper class women really kind of taking the reins and really sort of, you know, helping, helping revitalize this season. And um, obviously Gophers got to, I mean, I believe they have one or two more matches left. If they can really get good results on those, they're going to be on a huge high heading into the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Re- really encouraging to see them sort of picking up the pieces in these last couple of matches, really finding the stride, obviously getting a couple of wins. Uh, you know, we, we've kind of been talking through the season uh, how clearly talented this group is, but also you had uh, some some stretches where just there wasn't enough consistency, uh, particularly with late goals being conceded. And uh, you're starting to see that get cleaned up. Uh, and, and as you noted, it, it kind of comes together at a perfect time. They're able to get that that place in the Big Ten tournament, um, which is a which is wonderful. It's what this program you know deserves, where it needs to be, more or less. Um, so yeah, I mean, great stuff for Gopher Soccer. It's been a up and down season at times, but again, um, this is clearly a program that that knows how to get the job done more often than not. So much talent. Uh, in the starting 11 on the bench. So yeah, again, just, just great to see them find the stride and, and representing the state uh, at, at bid 10 and all that. So yeah, congratulations to them. Yeah. So um, it's just, it's, it's good to see the Gophers um, getting on a, on a really good run of form here at the right, at the right time as well. And we'll see if they can extend that into the, uh, through the end of the season and into the big 10 women's soccer tournament. Um, talking about St. Thomas now, two tough losses for the women, two to one to Omaha and four to one to Denver. Uh, Mariah Wynn and Jasmine Gates with the uh, two goals in those two matches. And then their final Summit League regular season game is October 23rd at Western Illinois. On the men's side, they get a one nil loss to Omaha before a really tough five nil loss to Oral Roberts in a rescheduled game. Um, they do host Western Illinois this weekend, starting the final four game stretch of the season. Um, the women really seem to be, they had had such a good start to conference play, but I think the other shoe is starting to drop for them right now. Um, just really tough. They're, they're defensively, they're giving up a lot of goals. Um, they're not producing many of themselves. Um, you know, there is obviously the context that this is year two. Um, but uh, I mean, you, I think it's gotta be disappointing for them. Their, their, their confidence must've been, you know, very, very high after that that positive start, but it's been a really rough run of results for them. Yeah, I imagine I imagine they'll be a bit disappointed with how this has started to play out. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you you have the asterisks of the year two thing, but but you know this is a very talented group, and and unfortunately they should probably be achieving a little more than they are right now this this latter part of the season, uh, which is too bad to see. Uh, that being said. It's a really talented group. You would hope that, you know, they found enough positives this year to carry over into next year. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate to see the 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 form has kind of dropped off a little bit and just letting in uh, more goals than usual. Uh, and, and like you said, not quite producing as much as you'd like. So uh, an unfortunate bump in the road, uh, kind of the, you know, that, that reality check that tends to happen in seasons like this, where you're, you're dealing with all these sort of, uh bumps off the pitch and uh yeah it's it, it's too bad hopefully they can end it on a, on a bright note uh, yesterday. uh st cloud was on a good run of form but then they get doubled up by saginaw valley four to two they did equalize to make it two two in the 43rd minute and then conceded twice in the last 15 uh both goals a brace by philip caputo in that loss and then in the NSIC, undefeated Mankato stay top of the table as they have been all season, but by a very thin margin. Bemidji, may, there's a chance for Bemidji here uh, down the stretch. All the you know, 
we, we talked about them dropping points on numerous occasions over the course of the season and uh, where, you know, are, are they still the, you know, the ones to beat in the NSIC, but they're just behind Mankato in the standings. They get a two win week uh, to keep pace there. And then uh, Dom, we talked about this uh, in the, in the Slack channel. Uh, there's a lot of names here as far as state yes. tournament news goes. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you take this. Yes, I, I am about to guide you through the many mazes and passageways of the uh, Minnesota, the MSHSL state tournament, state tournaments rather, that are about to start. If you're listening when this comes out, it's, it's going to be next week. Uh, I believe the 25th to the 27th are the dates lined up for the, the first round, which uh, should all be played at uh, home fields. Uh, and then the semis mm-hmm. and, the, and the final, obviously, will be played at uh, U.S. Bank. Uh, so. I'm just kind of kind of run through the 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 classes, just the the schools that made it. Just kind of a, a shout out. Also, hey, maybe you don't even realize that a local area school for you is in a state tournament. So uh, here, here's an opportunity for that. Uh, for those that don't know, the way this gets split up is you you have sections and then you have classes. Kind of divide up schools by uh, program history, a few other factors. So that that'll be at play here. So uh, for boys, you have uh, class A. You have Rochester. Uh, Lourdes, uh, St. Paul Academy and Summit, St. Anthony Village, uh, uh, Marantha Christian uh, Academy, which, uh, by the way, uh, shout out to Marantha. They, they actually have a, a lot of UPSL guys connected to that that program from uh, FC Minneapolis and, and Valora, actually. Mm-hmm. So shout out to them. Uh, Southwest Christian, Legacy Christian Academy, St. Cloud Cathedral, uh, and then the winner of St. Peter versus Pine Island slash Sombrota. Uh, Mazeppa, that, that game was tonight, so we don't know yet. Uh, and, and so that means, by the way, that all these teams won their section titles, just to be clear. That's why they're in this. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to all of them for doing that already. That's obviously a big accomplishment. Class A, or Class AA, excuse me, for, for boys, you got Austin, Worthington, Richfield, Hill Murray, uh, De La Salle, uh, Princeton, Cloquet, Esco, Carlton, which is one team, uh, and uh, the winner of St. Cloud Tech versus St. Cloud Apollo, and then AAA. For boys, you got Rochester Mayo, Maple Grove, Edina, Rosemount, uh, Woodbury, Wyzetta, Andover, and the winner of Moorhead versus St. Michael Albertville. I will be at the Maple Grove games that get played for that. Uh, and then for girls, you got Class A, St. Charles Public, Rochester Lords, St. Paul Academy and Summit, St. Anthony Village, the Brett School. Shout out to back in the summer season, the Brett School and the Blake School are different places. Uh, yes, uh, Providence Academy, Esco, and St. Cloud Cathedral. Class AA, you got Winona, Mankato, Mankato East, who beat Mankato West in their section final, which I'm sure was a fun time. Uh, Academy of, Hol- of Holy Angels, I'm forgetting how to say words now. Uh, Montemidai, <laughs> Benald St. Margaret's, uh, Cloquet Carlton, Alexandria Area High School, and then uh, the winner of Zimmerman versus Monticello. One more, Class AAA, this is still girls. Yeah, Lakeville South, Edina, Rosemont, uh, Stillwater Area, Moundsview, Wyzetta, Centennial, and St. Michael Albertville. So, although uh, I believe the draw for all this is tomorrow, uh, Friday. So actually, yeah, okay. you'll be listening. It's, I think it's tomorrow. Uh, so the 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 matchups you'll probably know either when you listen or soon after. But those are the groups uh, that that'll be getting drawn to those games. Uh, that'll be the uh, the quarterfinals and then you know semifinals and finals obviously for the winners. Uh, so yeah, congratulations to all those teams. They already did something really cool, which is that they won their sections, which is a very hard thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, best of luck to everyone as as they get to the state tournament and and do their do their best. And the state tournaments are always fun because you know, I mean, you have uh, you have you have so many even in a smaller state. I mean, Minnesota's not a smaller state, but it's it's not a huge state either. But you get all these different communities that end up kind of matched up together. Uh, in really interesting ways from all over the state, uh, from you know Moorhead to Cloquet to to Maple Grove or Edina, in, in the case of uh, of boys class AAA, you know you 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 have these really interesting combinations and matchups, and uh, it's always fun. So uh, definitely try and keep track of of what's up with that. Yeah, and uh, again, just to solidify those dates, so twenty um, fifth through the twenty seventh are the quarterfinals. And then November 1st through the 4th are the semifinals and finals and, and third place games 
um, that will be happening around the Twin Cities. But the semifinals and the finals are going to be at U.S. Bank Stadium on those days. So if you want to go watch some really, really good high school soccer in a, in a cool venue, uh, definitely go grab your tickets for that. All right. Now it's time for top four. This is kind of how we end every episode with kind of our top four uh, news stories that maybe don't fit the uh, the rundown of our normal our normal schedule on the podcast here. So I'm going to go first, and it is kind of area-related, the Northland. Uh, the newest pro soccer club in the North will be in the USL Championship, and it will be in Milwaukee. The announcement was made this week in the city's Iron District, where an 8,000-seat soccer stadium will be built. And uh, that stadium will actually also host Marquette's men's and women's soccer teams too, which is kind of cool. And then along with the stadium, there, this is kind of a common theme now. You, you get the soccer stadium, but then you want to revitalize the area around it. So you build a lot of stuff to go along with it. So along with this new soccer stadium in Milwaukee, there'll be a 3,500-seat concert venue, residential housing, and a retail area as well. So um, – uh, this is this is really cool. Obviously, people have been banging the drum for a pro soccer to come to Milwaukee in a while. They had an MLS expansion thing that fell through a number of years ago. So, um, and I think the USL Championship is perfect for this market and uh, kind of to fill that fill that void in the northern Midwest, if you will. Um, and I think I think it's going to be really cool. They start playing twenty twenty five, so there is some time. Um, and Ford Madison's ownership group is involved in this. Uh, Connor Kaloya and company are involved in this project as well. And obviously, we've seen the job they done, the, the job they did, excuse me, sort of getting Madison off the ground and developing the community around it. Now it's a worldwide known brand, right? Um, you know, so there's a lot of optimism that this this uh, will take off in Milwaukee and, and be a successful project, which I have no doubt it will. But um, yeah, just all in all, yeah. just. Super cool. These these announcements and these things when you're anticipating a new club, it's always an exciting time. It's always oh, very sure. cool. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Um, as uh, as a person from Wisconsin, it's really cool to see the professional soccer landscape continue to develop there, uh, and, and you know, rightly so in Milwaukee. With with all due respect to Madison, but um, you know, Milwaukee that that's a historic sporting city. That's a city whose uh, you know, men's soccer collegiate program has a deep history, um, you know, very much a place that you would want the world's game to be present at as high level as possible. Uh, and, and great, by the way, to have a, a higher level of the game in, in the form of the USL championship present. Uh, so, yeah, really, really great. As you know, my 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 up in the clouds dream as a, a as a kid from Western Wisconsin is for one day for Western Wisconsin to have some sort of professional soccer. I don't even know what that would look like or where it would be, but you know, that that's the faraway dream that would be amazing to have happen. And things like this make all that feel more tangible. The fact that that pro soccer can be a, a part of the landscape of places like Madison and Milwaukee that uh, are very far away from where I'm from, but, but you know, it, it all it all fits into sort of one ecosystem. So very very exciting, and look forward to seeing what that what that looks like. My uh, first uh, top four thing will be uh, a shout out to a, a new program, a new branch of the KFA program. That's the Karen uh, Football Association. They're uh, starting up. They've, they've been posting on social media. You might have seen uh, starting up a, a five to eight year old sort of youth academy thing to get uh, young kids started with the game. Uh, developing and learning and and you know the kfa that's always been a big part of you know making sure that young kids uh boys and girls are you know have sought of uh, access to soccer have access to learning about the game so really cool to learn that they're going to be working on that you know um kyle particularly the the founder of the kfa has been very involved in the soul of the cities project and and sort of all the interconnecting wires there of, of the experience that he already has working with kids he's also a former high school coach um you know all of that is very promising so um really look forward to seeing how how that works out and, and how that can particularly probably benefit uh certain communities that are relevant to the kfa that maybe don't get as much access mm -hmm. to these uh sort of young age programs so yeah just a shout out to that I mean, it's it's the Corona phase. So you know, it's going to be a super successful project yeah. that that's going to do wonders for the the local youth soccer community. So everything they touch sort of turns to gold in that regard. So I'm um, very excited to see how that continues to pan out. 
Um, my second and final thing stays kind of in the uh, professional lower league realm. Um, there was an interesting announcement this week by FC Tucson. Um, they are relegating themselves, basically, from USL League One. Uh, the club announced this week it will be moving from USL League One to League Two in 2023, uh, which is not professional. Uh, this comes after the club's ownership group opted to sell the team, and uh, the man who purchased it is actually the founder and head coach of the club, uh, John Perlman. And uh, Perlman said in a statement, there is intent to return the club to the professional ranks in the near future, but that's dependent on their stadium situation. So um, FC Tucson finished near bottom of the USL League One standings this year. Um, Not sure if that had to do with the ownership group's decision to sell the team, but um, you have to wonder what will happen to uh, a lot of these players who are professional players who are getting paid to play. Uh, Now the team is dropping down to League Two. I can't imagine too many of those guys will be like, yeah, I'll stick around and not get paid. So, um, yeah, just, I don't know, something I really haven't seen before. Uh, Team going from professional to non-professional soccer. Yeah, you know, it's, um, well, yeah, first of all, it's obviously unfortunate news, and hopefully that transition does well. You know, the, the, the closest thing I've seen to this, and it was slightly different, although it would be in theory possible for Tucson to do this, I don't think they're going to, is, uh, when the NASL collapsed, uh, multiple teams basically stayed functioning by uh, basically focusing all their attention on their NPSL reserve teams, mm-hmm. which became not reserve teams. <laughs> yeah. um, I know that because uh, Duluth FC played Miami FC in the, in the national semifinals, and that Miami FC team and this was during that time, was not an amateur team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, their, their goalkeeper that day, I'm blanking on his name, unfortunately, literally a year later was playing for the Earthquakes. So, uh, <laughs> like, starting for the Earthquakes. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I've seen versions of this before. I don't think that Tucson's doing that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's too bad, you know. I, I mean, if if they feel it's the decision they need to make, then then do it. I probably it's probably better than if they tried to continue to run professionally without the resources to do that. But um, yeah, it's too bad. I, I guess it's interesting to it'll be interesting to see how that kind of affects the landscape of, of League One going into next year, and uh, uh, hopefully this League Two chapter goes well for them. I mean, that's where they were before, wasn't it? Wasn't FC Tucson and yep, PDL? they were in League Two. Yeah. Okay. So and then uh, when League One started operation in 2019 they were one of those first teams to join so right. well best of luck uh my uh my uh second top four uh will be uh, a shout out to something that actually happened while we were recording so i threw it in here uh which is that uh, uh joseph martinez's bicycle kick goal against the new england revolution has one goal of the season um yeah. our regular goal, goal of the regular season however that works um that was a crazy goal. That was really cool. Congratulations to him. Uh, and also, you know, it's, it's worth throwing out there. There is a lot of discussion about Joseph Martinez leaving Atlanta United this summer, or, or not summer, this offseason, rather, uh, yep. because of lots of reasons. He has about one year left on his contract. And uh, I don't think anyone, I don't know if people are talking enough about, like, the potential for him to be an interesting signing by another team. Um, yeah. I think that would be really interesting to, to see how that plays out. Uh, He's had a lot of injury problems the last two years, but came back this season, looked relatively good. I think that 13 goal involvement. Um, so that, that's something to note. I, I'm going to throw this in there, by the way, too. I, I've mentioned, I told this story, I think, to you one time off mic, and I'm realizing now there's no way anyone's going to get angry at me, at me for this anymore. This was so long ago. But one time, uh, this, this is the breaking news, but it's not. But uh, one time in 2017, Adrian Heath literally told me that Minnesota United tried to sign Joseph Martinez. That's amazing. I went, I went to, and the, uh, my, my uh, father was a season ticket holder that year. We went to uh, the open training thing and they let you kind of take pictures with some people. And I had my Vino Tinto kid on. That's a Venezuelan national team. 
And uh, there was a, one or two players that made comments about that. And then he came by and he recognized it and uh, just had a quick comment about this and that. And then he's, and this was uh, about halfway through the season. So, you know, the, the snow game with Joseph's hat trick had happened and all that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, we tried to, we tried to get Joseph, but Atlanta were too hot for him or something yeah. like that. And he, and he, ta- he told me and my dad about how they had looked into him. And I think about that every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you see 0.26 XG in a playoff game. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, maybe, so, maybe, um, maybe they should have anyway, been a little bit more help for him. <laughs> anyway, I'll leave it at that. But shout out to him for keeping – that man has like a barely functioning knee and he still managed to, to store a bicycle kick against New England. And that's like physical fitness goals for everybody to live up to. So, yeah. Um, just, just an all-around celebration of, of Joseph Martinez, I guess, is my last top four. I love that. All right. I mean, not too many better players to celebrate in Major League Soccer no. than Joseph Martinez, I'll tell you what. All right. That'll do it for this week's edition of 10,000 Pitches. Head over to patreon.com slash soccer right now for today's edition of – or this week's edition, I should say. 10K stoppage time where we sort of dive into the contract situations uh, in uh, as we head into this offseason. Um, who has options, who is on the chopping block, so to speak. Um, and we will talk about all that and kind of what those possibilities are for 2023. So if you're a fan of Minnesota United and you kind of want the nitty gritty on that, patreon.com slash sodasoccer is where you need to go. The 5 and $10 tiers get you that bonus podcast. And so you can check that out. Otherwise, no problem. We'll catch you here on 10K next week. See you.